Oh, well. Hi, Wendy. Hi. So I guess, uh, who am I speaking with today? Oh, you're speaking with Wendy Trevino in San Francisco. Well, you're in LA. I'm in San Francisco. Yeah. So, you know, you've published a few things like out of San Francisco and commune editions and stuff over the past few years. So like, how did you, how did you come to get involved in the uh, San Francisco poetry scene? Um, okay. So I, well, interesting. Uh, I kind of learned about there being a Bay area poetry scene when I first started writing poetry in like 2002 or 2003. I started writing in 2002, but I think 2003 is when I first met people that were engaged in um, poetry the way that I, I guess got me excited, which was, you know, all the little zines and um, lots of stuff for free. You know, just people who really liked creating um, art usually, but also, I mean, like specifically, you know, poetry. Um, and their names are Dale Smith and Hua Wen. I met them in Austin. They had moved there like not too many years before from San Francisco. So I learned about the Bay Area poetry scene and all of this like zine culture from them. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, I ended up going to Iowa because my husband, like ex-husband now, but uh, he was, he got into the University of Iowa. And so I was there for two years with him. And um, then after that, I had applied to basically go either to New York or towards San Francisco. And um, I applied to like eight schools or something. And I got waitlisted at Davis and then got into Davis uh, and went to Davis. And then after I graduated, I was like, I'm going to go to San Francisco because I've always wanted to live in a big city. Uh, so I came here and then there was still people I knew at Davis who ended up making friends with some of the people that are here um, um, that were doing poetry. So I kind of learned about some of the poets that way. But also um, my professor, one of my professors was a, uh, or is a person that uh, is in Commune Editions. Um, and I didn't see him for maybe like two years or three years after I graduated. Um, but then suddenly I saw him again in the streets, like at a demo years later. And um, that's how I kind of got into that world. And it got mixed up with this whole other world that is not poets, but has some in it. <laughs> um, uh, that was the start of that. But yeah, so that that's basically how I got here. And I feel like there's more I could say. I just don't know what it is yet. <laughs> so maybe another question would help. Yeah. So yeah, I guess you're talking, you, you, you met Joshua Clover, I guess, through. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah and, I, and I guess when you met up with him years later, that would have been at Occupy, I'm guessing. Or was that no. a little before? It was a little before. Actually, my first demo was, um, well, I'm not going to say what it was, actually, but it had to do with, like, police stuff. Um, so it, somebody had been killed by a cop. And um, that was the first time I went out into the street. Yeah, for me, like, you know, obviously, I was really excited about Occupy, but 
what first brought me into the street was not that. Nope. Um, I generally am more interested in the ways that um, racism and like imperialism, those things are carried out. Uh, but Occupy was good too. <laughs> yeah, well, because there is a long history, especially in San Francisco, of opposing police violence. I, th- I think it's safe to say. Yeah, yeah. And it, that definitely—I mean—that march was amazing. That I had never been out before, and I had no idea that there were people doing stuff like that. I was. I, there's always people that, like, if you go to a demo, they are constantly talking about like wanting to appeal to the you know like all these people and don't do this don't do that because you know all these people are going to see it and not want to come out all those things that people are told not to do are exactly why I kept coming out yeah and like you said you went to the first demo you went to alone and I think like I've heard other people say that too and I guess like how did you start to connect with people through that scene oh no 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 the first time I went to I went with my husband who is my husband yeah me and him went um and uh what was amazing like people talk about how um anarchists are like super you know not friendly and kind of closed off um I, I guess I am kind of like that too so maybe that's why it worked out but like um, in the first demo, I, you know, I was wearing like a fucking, uh, it was like a camel colored cardigan, like light pants. I look completely out of place. Uh, but I was, you know, I was down and there was this like person, I wouldn't be able to identify them to this day, but they had like a mask on and they turned around and they asked me to hold this pole for them for a second. <laughs> And as they like fixed their mask and uh, they were so nice about it. They were just like, honey, can you hold this? And then I like grabbed it and they were like, oh, be careful. There's, <laughs> what was it? Like staples. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. Um, and then somebody handed me a flag. You know, people were very, very friendly in that way. And then, um, but I didn't get to know a lot of those people, to be honest, until I ended up in jail with some of them, which was months later. Yeah, and, and you, I think you've written about that yeah. in your poems. Mm-hmm. That was the first poem in the book. Um, yeah, I, that's how I got close to a lot of people, to be honest. <laughs> I ended up in jail with them. Uh, and it was, you know, it wasn't anything, you know, it, it was nothing compared to what lots of people go through. But it was new, and it definitely was, was very scary. Um, and I handled it well and there were other people that handled it well too. Basically like that's how I started connecting with people is like we're in this kind of crazy situation and there are people not handling it well and we're trying to like get through it. And so you, we started depending on each other to deal with the people who weren't dealing with it well. Um, you get close very quick in that environment. You very much do. Um, I talked actually last week. I talked to these um, inmates at San Quentin, and we talked about that poem. And I, you know, I was like, I know it's it. It wasn't anything. And they're like, no. They were all laughing. They were like, that's exactly how county is. And um, and this one man said something really sweet actually, because I was like, you know, I like they asked me. They were like, so after that um, that protest, did you go to another one? They were laughing, and I was like. 
oh yeah, I did. And they laughed even more and they asked if I would do it again. And I would, I was like, I'm not excited about it. And it's definitely like, you know, something that's scary, but like, I, yeah, I'd do it again if I had to. And they were saying, and I was like, you know, I, I didn't experience anything like what you guys are experiencing here, obviously. And they, it was interesting. They were like, this one man said that, uh, he was like, you know, I wouldn't diminish like what you went through by comparing it to us uh, in this sense. He's like, what you described there is like the trauma of actually like losing your freedom. And he's like, you know, that we all had that. And yeah, it was sad. <laughs> you know, one of the things that is like apparent when when I read your poetry and stuff is like, you know, you it's very clear that you come from a space that's not just like poets. You're you're talking to activists, like you said, and you're doing this work in San Quentin. And I guess, you know, like how how did how did that come about for you? Like, how did you start to get in get like involved in both the poetry and the activist scene together when did that start to merge for you i guess is what i'm asking yeah i i think that it was um it was like around occupy it was a little bit started a little bit before but it wasn't just me it was like at that moment um a lot of the poets like in the bay were interested in um doing actual activism like there had been the year before there had been this thing called the 95 cent school and in 2011, they had another one. Uh, and all these poets came together to kind of talk about, you know, what the relationship between poetry and like, not activism, because nobody knew it at the time. They were like, you know, what can poetry do in this environment? Like, what kind of interventions can we make? And um, I didn't go to the first year, but the second year I went and I went after my first demo. And I got arrested at my first demo, but I didn't go to jail. I just like got release after a while um <clears throat> so by that time i was already started and we were in this environment where we were all like you know what can poetry do and i had come to this conclusion earlier that summer that it couldn't really do anything but that i could and so that was my thing i was like you know i i don't think that words can really do that but we can uh and so people started trying to do things like, you know, I think it wasn't because I said it, it was just like at that time it made sense. You know, it was, there was, there were all these people that were trying it. Um, there were, you know, um, that was around the time that like uh, Anonymous was out there like in the bar, you know, um, after the cops, like, I think they turned off, they made it so that people couldn't use their phones and people found out and were really pissed. There was just all of these different things happening where people that, we hadn't really, or I didn't know had been out there, like a lot of different kinds of people were there, like people in the arts, all of that. And, um, and then Occupy happened really close to all of that. So everybody was trying, you know, like there was a lot of poets that were like out there. Um, and there started, people started to mix a little bit. Um, but some, and you'll, you could read some people's, uh, like I guess accounts of that time and or you know they'll do, they did like I'm trying to remember there's one in particular I remember where somebody actually says you know some of the poets like disappeared and became anarchists and I was one of those poets um and that's but that was how it happened like a bunch of poets went in there and started doing things and some stayed poets more than they went that way and some didn't um, and I was among the some that didn't but a lot there turns out to be like a lot of 
a lot of other people that came after that also were really into like writing and all of that, but they were coming at it from like the opposite way, you know, like they, they were like punks or something. And um, it's like a whole new area or like a whole new space for like poetry emerged in that time. It was all these new people. Uh, you know, the first, the first uh, reading that I arranged was at uh, Anarchist Space. And it was, you know, my friend Oki. Uh, it was like, and then it was like 50 people in there, you know, all like dressed in black for the most part. A few like poets, poets that I had known before, but most not. Just like a whole, yeah. Anyways, that's that's kind of. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling, but. Um, oh well, that's the point of a podcast. Okay. Oh really? Yeah. Cool. Just you can just ramble about anything, and I'll just listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that makes me feel better. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's really not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever done one, so. <laughs> uh, this is. This is new and I don't I didn't want to go on for too long, but uh, I don't know if I'm getting at what you're asking, though. I think I am. No, you definitely are. And like, I guess the reason for asking it, too, is I wanted to know. I think a lot of people like look at your work and want to know, like, you know, how how that kind of scene emerged. And because I think a lot of people would like to be a part of something like that. I just wanted to ask, too, like. Like how like one of the things that's really one of the things that's really stuck with me that you said is, you know, because you came from this kind of scene, you're not accountable to say, uh, like the poetry foundation type, or you're not, you're not accountable to the tradition, tradition, traditional structures of poetry. And I guess, you know, like what, how has that, how do you feel like that's helped you? And what is, what has that been like for you? This has been amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> it's, it's really been amazing. I, you know, I, I, I really love, uh, some of the poets that I met out in the Bay, like, you know, that I met first as poets or whatever. I truly do in part because they, they also, it's more, it got more complicated, you know, and they definitely, they've come through in moments uh, that I really, like, I value them a lot for that. Um, however, I, you know, I just kind of didn't, I don't really go to readings. You know, I, I never felt completely comfortable in those settings. And I don't know why. I thought that I, you know, I'm like, that's lots of people. I'm not special in this way. Like, don't feel comfortable, like find themselves feeling uncomfortable in almost every space. And the first time I felt comfortable was, you know, around all these people that were doing all this shit in the streets. And they are, you know, I guess I'm an asshole. And um, people feel, I don't know, what kind of way about it. I, or like I'm too harsh or something. And it was the first place like among these like anarchists and communists, it was the first time I went into a place and no one thought that of me, you know, <laughs> like though everybody was like, it was normal. And it seemed like actually my, the way I am was appreciated, you know, and I, I, I love them too. Um, I just, it was weird because I just felt like I fit better. It was the first time I felt like I fit somewhere. Um, and uh it, it's wonderful. It's been wonderful because I feel like I do have people to answer to and they honestly don't care if I write poetry, <laughs> you know? Um, they, like I write and a lot of the stuff I write is hoping that people, um, that my friends will read it, them, and they do. And part of why is because it, it is like so explicitly political, you know, it's dealing with the same problems they're dealing with. Um, 
but uh, in terms of, yeah, it's been great not having to worry if like all these poets get mad at me, like it doesn't matter because I, I have my friends here, you know? Um, and it is, it is amazing. Uh, the other thing too, I, I don't know how it started, but like, I just, I, no one paid attention to my work for a really long time. And I think that was probably the best thing for me. Um, I've been writing for 15 years, you know, <laughs> like I've been writing a long ass time. Um, and not like, I'm not counting, you know, writing like as a teenager and all, I'm not counting anything like that. I'm counting like from the time that I decided I was going to like try to get involved in that world, you know? And, um, for the longest time, my, my ex-husband, he's a very good poet and he immediately got a lot of attention, a lot of attention. Uh, he won contests. He got into the university of Iowa. You know, he was just really seen as like this really great poet or like emerging great poet. Um, and then like I would show people my work and there would be like no response. Um, and this was the way it was pretty much until 2011, you know, maybe 2010. Um, so, so what is that? Like eight years? It was eight years before anyone paid any attention. Um, and, uh, so by that time, I'd already gotten a job, <laughs> you know, like I found a job. I didn't, I like, didn't ever have it in my mind that I was going to like make a living doing poetry. Like this is me just being honest, you know, like I'm so glad it went that way, but so much of it just has to do with like, yeah, there were things that were coming to other people that weren't coming to me. And I was like, that's fine. You know, like, I'm just going to do, I'm going to do what lots of people do, fucking get a job. And, um, and so now I have this like source of income. It took like two years, by the way, for me to like find a job that would pay enough for me to like pay rent with roommates, you know, <laughs> uh, and to have benefits. Um, but once I had that, you know, then I was like, well, this is great. And this whole time I haven't been apply. I'm just lazy in many ways. Like, that's really why, like, I didn't apply for any of the things that people tend to apply for. Um, I wasn't submitting. I just, I never really felt very good about my poetry. And then suddenly, well, suddenly, you know, I did a reading with Ann Boyer. It was the first time I'd ever done a reading. And um, I read with Ann Boyer in, in uh, Oakland. And I put together some stuff that like the, the poem that ends up being the first poem in choral fiction the list or whatever. I, I read that. I literally wrote that after I got out of jail because somebody told me to just write everything down so I could like remember it, like have it for later. And that's pretty much what I wrote, just like a list of stuff that I remembered because I, I just didn't want to forget. And then I read it because I didn't have very much to read. I, I like am not a prolific writer. I, I write, but I'm not a prolific writer. Um, so I needed to have stuff to read. And I read that and people loved it. And I was surprised, you know, so it, but that, that was 2011. So that's nine years after I started writing. And that's the first time that people actually paid attention. Um, and that was the first time I fucking read, honestly. And it took, and it was, it was a real challenge to even read because I'm actually not very comfortable in front of people, like reading in front of people. So I like, I have, no, 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 that was not the first time I read. I read before that, but that was the first reading I had. Um, 
because the first time that I read in the Bay, I cried and my husband had to come in and read the rest. Um, and that, that crying in front of a bunch of, a bunch of people happened more than once. And, uh, I still, sometimes my voice will crack, but, um, I make it through somehow. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been wonderful though. Uh, everything was taken because I sucked in the eyes of so many, it allowed me to gain like independence from that world. And I don't need it. You know, like when it comes down to it, like my life isn't really built around it. It doesn't support me. It doesn't sustain me in ways that, you know, matter a lot. Um, and all my friends are, you know, doing other things. Um, I would suggest it to anybody, you know, or either that or start your like own little crew or something. But definitely like it, I prefer this and the crew thing is good too, than to allow to allowing things like the Poetry Foundation, all these like institutions that provide grants and like, you know, get you to come to New York or whatever. And like, basically they become, they come to structure your, um, your world in poetry. You know, like that to me is, that's poetry land. Um, and it's fine. I don't think people are terrible for, you know, participating in it. Like I, I've said it before, like, I don't think what I do is more ethical. Um, but I really like the fact that I get to say whatever the fuck I want in a world where that's what you're supposed to do, you know, but that's just not what happens. I think in poetry land, like in poetry land, you have to like, you have to not say things. You have to either be someone that, you know, doesn't want to say those things or you have to know not to say those things. Um, so I would definitely recommend to anyone that has any kind of liking toward me to not allow that to happen to themselves. Yeah. And you're saying set up, you know, get a crew together, like you're saying, and, yeah. and uh, be accountable to them and not the poetry world. Yeah, absolutely. Because fuck them. Seriously, I, I do think that ultimately... Like sometimes I get mad, you know, we'll see these things happen in, in poetry land, like, you know, they publish a fascist or whatever. And I am like ultimately mad at, um, you know, poetry foundation or whatever. Um, I don't spend too much time on it, but like, obviously I'm, I'm pissed that that happened. And then I see like all these people kind of boosting them. And it, like, it may, like, I feel resentment towards those people, but I also am like, so angry that po like the poetry foundation and you know foundations in general are able to like construct that world for themselves and they can just seriously put someone in a position to where they can't like if they want to continue to get things from them they are going to have to basically do things for ugh. and it, it makes me mad you know but like i i get a little bit mad at those people but more than that, I just kind of like don't fuck with those people. And I hate the Poetry Foundation. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, believe me. That, that's that been a recurring topic on this podcast. I don't think that's, that's much of a surprise. But I, guess, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess something else I wanted to ask you about is I think I read or heard in maybe the Jacket 2 interview that, you know, a lot of your books have come about like through editors, um, you know, helping you, I guess, put the, put the actual book product together. Oh, yeah to ask a little bit about like you know what's that process like for you and you know how does that also fit into like you know the poetry scene you're a part of i guess um okay so one of the things that happened uh when i started to get 
attention with writing, like there was also around that time people starting to get attention because of Occupy and, um, you know, just like political activity, but I wasn't one of those people. Like I wasn't somebody that a lot of people knew about at that time. It was, um, that was like, there were other people that were known in the Bay Area. I wasn't really. So um, I am thankful for that. Uh, but I saw, I got to see that whole like phenomenon and I felt really weird about it. I was like, I don't know how I feel about you know, like, what, what do you do when this is, you start to get attention because this is like the thing people are interested in right now. You know, I didn't know. I didn't, I was like, I don't know. I don't know how, how to participate in it because it feels, it feels weird, you know? So I didn't participate in it for a long time. Like me and my friend Oki, you know, we, like, we were writers, but we weren't as like rooted in the Bay Area scene like that. We liked people, but we just, we weren't known to really be um, part of that scene. And we were closer to all of these, like, you know, anarchists and communists and feminists, Marxist feminists. Um, so, you know, we would, we were just kind of watching other people do it and we felt weird about it and we would talk about it. And um, I just, I didn't know what to do. Oki didn't know what to do. So what I'm saying is because like, years went by you know there were like people would approach about you know a book or a chapbook and um i didn't always say yes i said no a few times um and actually commune came to me in 2014 or 15 i don't remember i think 15 and asked me to do a book and i said yes and then i said no because I didn't really want to. I, I, I got to this point where it was like all I didn't it it says something when you go with the press, right? Like it it it's like saying something. And I, I didn't want to say anything. So <laughs> I was like, um, I wanna self publish. And you know, and I and I did want to self publish, but that's a lot of work, um, to actually like put that kind of book together. And I'm honestly kind of swamped and easily overwhelmed. So um I I for two years I tried to do it and I just didn't. So then I went back, you know, to Commune and I was like, I'll do it. Um, but uh, yeah, so all this to say, like, I'm not, I just don't feel as comfortable as some people do with like putting their, their poems together, you know, like submitting things. Like I, this is just not something that I'm very comfortable with. I haven't done it a lot. So the reason I went to Commune is because honestly, Joshua has known me for a long time, has helped me in almost every situation where I have put a chapbook together. The only one that that hasn't happened is Brazilian is not a race. Brazilian is not a race is the only thing that I put together completely on my own, <laughs> completely. It was a project of mine. There was hardly any input from anyone, hardly. You know, like if, if I would share it with people, if I didn't get a response, that, that in my mind was like, oh, okay, it's boring. And so I just change it. I wouldn't wait because you know you can't really afford to wait sometimes but i that's the only thing that i did like wholly on my own and without like yeah that's the only thing but other than that i have i have just like a bunch of poems that i write and um when i did my first chat book i asked joshua if he'd help me order them um and so when uh before i even went back to commune joshua came to me and he was like 
let's talk about putting in your book together. We don't have to publish it. You know, I'm just saying like, you should put out a book. And I, and I was so reticent. I was just like, I don't know. Like I said, I just, there's a part of me that feels weird about like where my poetry comes from. Um, and, and I don't, like, I don't want to make any money off of it. And I don't like, I don't, I think it's, I, I, for myself, I don't need it. And I also just, I have very weird feelings about that kind of poetry being profitable. I don't want it to be profitable. Like I'll, I, so I give the money away. Um, so that was, there was a bunch of like term, I guess, inner turmoil about this. Josh, and when Joshua like offered to do it, to help me like put it together, even though they weren't gonna publish it, that's what honestly made me finally decide to go back to Commune. Cause I was just like, if I have that kind of support from someone, then yeah, that's where I belong, you know? Um, and that was kind of the deal. Like I, I will do this, but you know that like I'm not, I, I, I can't really, I feel too overwhelmed and we'll be here forever if we wait for me to like get everything together. You know, I, so um, he just made me give him as many of my sonnets as I could remember having written. I didn't give them all, give him all of them. I thought I did, but like I've written so many of those, but they end up in weird places. And he just, you know, yeah, he ordered them. Editors are really important for me. And there was also, you know, I did another chat book with like Krupskaya and, that time basically i had like joss jocelyn right uh i had jocelyn like basically holding me by the hand telling me like oh this is the kind of thing that i like that you do why don't you try to do that and so i just did that yeah i'm not like i like i think part of the reason that things worked out the way they did for me is because i i'm not really very good at doing poetry <laughs> in the way that like you end up in poetry land you know, like, I'm just not very good at that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I really relate to that. And I think probably a lot of people who like run in the like paint buckets type circle probably relate to that as well. Like I, I didn't really get any reception trying to publish, publish with journals for several years now. And I don't know, I just it's just not a world I'm very interested in, to be honest. So it's hard for me Yay. to get anything <laughs> together to do it. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, 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 maybe. I mean, maybe that's it. Cause I know that I like all, I hear these people will be like, you know, I submitted every, like I submitted every day or they have like some plan. Like I never had that ever. Oh yeah, absolutely not. I did. I know. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I, I, I never even was able to conjure up the guilt enough to like have a plan to do that. You know, so. Uh, Honestly, there were years where I could call them successful if I managed to submit just period yeah exactly i and one okay so the last time i submitted to anything it was um it was lana turner and i it was after i had put that uh santander bank poem together because it was you know lana turner it was after lana turner uh, or after that o'hara poem and so i submitted it to them and i thought like that that's the only reason i did it so i hadn't done it like maybe for five years or something um, and I got rejected and I was like, why wouldn't they take that? And then I showed somebody years later, cause I, it just like popped up in my emails and I had, I had, uh, sent it to Calvin Bedian or whatever. And I was like, Mrs. Calvin Bedian. I basically, I like fucked up in several places and I didn't even realize that. So I think I'm bad at that. 
it's just bad. Um, and it never really, I don't know. Also, do you really like most of the journals that you pick up? Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> right? That was part of the problem. I'm just like, but I don't really like them. So I don't even blame them for not liking mine. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, and that's, I feel like that's the state of like a lot of like any, any like left-leaning poet, I feel like has been in that kind of place for, for years now. Yeah. There's just not I could totally... a lot of venues. Hello? Oh yeah, sorry. I okay. I'm, I have like the push, I have the push to talk thing on and sometimes I just like miss the push to talk button. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was wondering, sometimes it just like cuts out. And yeah. it's so clean. It doesn't sound like it, anything's. Um, yeah, I'm wrong. just not a very professional podcaster. I'm just in my Honda Civic. <laughs> You're in your Honda Civic doing this? Nice. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, but the journals, I, I never understood all that. Like, I definitely like poets who have, you know, written, and I like contemporary people too. But I don't like, I mean, I never did. I never liked like tons and tons of poetry. You know, I like like a few and it's just it's not I don't like just anything. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. Like, but what like what do you like, I guess? Like what what is like what do you read, I guess, that that led you down this path? Oh shit, the stuff I was reading that led me like to keep writing poetry and stuff, like probably the biggest um one of the biggest people for me early on was C.D. Wright. I loved her. And I still do. I mean, I think she's a great poet. Um, well, you know, she's passed away. But I, I really do think that her poetry is quite good. I don't think that her politics are like mine. I don't think they were. I mean, she's she's definitely got some, you know, like, we have some interests in common. But I don't think our politics were the same. However, um, she did, I guess, what they call, like, documentary po like poems and poetry. And we're so good. Have you ever read her? Yeah, I, like if you you were saying, like in terms of interest in common, I'm thinking she wrote the one about um, a prison that probably is similar to your interests. That less so than um, this book called One with Others. That's my favorite. What's that and one about? I don't know if I know that one. This is, it's the best one. It's um, so she went to this little this little town in Arkansas. Um, I forget the name of it. But there was a, a friend that she'd made later in that friend's life. I, the woman was like in New York and she'd been this woman who lived in this tiny little town in Arkansas during like the civil rights era. And there was this moment in that town where um, a bunch of the like middle school children um, rioted in their, their class. <laughs> and uh, it was, they took the kids and like put them in a you know big concrete pool for a while um and there was like you know the people that would come walk through cities uh that were you know racist or whatever uh i forget i I've, is it freedom riders or something like that i forget yeah you're talking about in the 60s that went down to register people to vote yeah but there there was also like they just kind of come through and walk through the cities where like black people weren't supposed to feel so free, you know? Um, and so these people came to the city. I'm not even sure if that the white woman who ended up in New York had called them. I forget the story, but she was the only white person in that town that walked with them. 
And she was like just this regular person who had like children, a husband was like a stay at home wife in this, you know, very, very like rural kind of place. Um, and she was arrested with these black people. They were going to kill her. She was like ostracized basically. They, there was a, a cop that took her across the county line, probably because somebody, you know, that she used to be friends with, uh, I think that's the story, you know, got, got the cop to like take her and uh, away from the city. Um, and so she had to leave and never come back. And her husband denounced her. She lost everything. She lost everything. Um, and she does not, never regretted it, like ever regretted it. Uh, an amazing story. And also that's just part of it because there's also like what CD Wright does. She goes back to this little town and she interviews everybody, you know? So she interviews like black people that have been there since then. And there was other things that happened with black people around that time. Like, you know, these young uh, black men had enlisted for the military and they couldn't even go like bowl. And so they went to the bowling alley and just like, you know, threw a ball down the lane and then walked out, but then proceeded to get really beat up and one of their fathers worked for like one of these men that was doing this got beat up so bad he blinded in an eye um it was bad like but like you learn all about that time in this city and actually i think that city or maybe the one like one really close by was like the headquarters of cake of the kkk and she basically like outs her entire you know like this this place that she's from cd right too just like this woman like just outs them for incredible racism. Um, and yeah, I don't know that it's that kind of stuff. Her writing about where she like grew up was really, was really big influence for me. And also just this like kind of the way she tells these stories, like, you know, she, she actually like, would just use things that people said and you should see her acknowledgement section in that book. It's fucking long. <laughs> it's, it's so cool that she like thanked all these people. And, you know, there's not a lot of flourish from her. It's mostly just documentation from like talking to people. So it's almost like a, you know, like it literally is like reading a documentary. Um, it's so good. Anyways, but she early on was a huge influence on me just because she had this way, like what her focus was on, which is like, south um i you know i also am from places kind of like that not quite so uh white but um definitely like the rural all of that like i recognized a lot of the shit that she would say and um also this like very plain way of speaking like she's not she's not very dramatic <laughs> it, it's almost like clinical at times and i like it um so she was huge she was probably one of the people that made me keep writing more than anyone else because I actually like was speaking to something. Um, she's the one that sticks out for me the most. Yeah. I could totally see that with like your poems, the way you like weave in little incidents from history all the time, like constantly, especially in like Brazilian is not a race. I'm thinking of all the little details you dug up from like the history of um, like the history along the U S Mexico border. I'm, and yeah. um, various leftists down there that have, have long, been fighting that fight for, you know, over a century now. Yeah, for sure. No, I definitely, I don't know if you've seen the chat book, but one thing that I kind of am bummed didn't make it to the, the 
April fiction book is when I did the chat book, I made a bibliography. So every yes. book that I love, I was so happy. Like my dream, I didn't even know it until it was there, was like, oh, having a bibliography <laughs> in my chat book is going to make me so happy. It's like a dream come true, even though yeah, I that's... didn't have that <laughs> until right then. Yeah, I really appreciated that. Like, like what you were saying about acknowledgments, I always read the acknowledgments for poetry because it's just like very fascinating to see how this stuff gets made. And yeah, a bibliography yeah. too on top of that. Yeah, I'm definitely reading it all. <laughs> it, I really like doing it. Yeah, totally. I am like that too. I read acknowledgments. I definitely read an acknowledgment. A lot of the time, like it, it explains the work. Like I was reading a book of poetry and the book, the book itself only cited, I, as I recall, only cited um, auth- had only cited um, authors who had died. And then I re- looked at the acknowledgments, and it was just, you know, like this whole slew of like people you would know. And I was like, oh, this this is weird. <laughs> this is interesting. Yeah, just... I know that that does happen a lot. It does say a lot too. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, do do you just feel like you have to thank all these people? Because this is an awful lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, then. It- <laughs> with that too i'm like why didn't you thank them in the actual text it's just very interesting to me <laughs> yeah yeah no i feel that um yeah i i'm trying to think every time i get asked about like what i read i have the hardest time remembering what i've read because i know i've read a lot <laughs> i have a goodreads profile and i keep track of shit in there because i'm serious i like for whatever reason can't always remember what i what i read but um i'm trying to think of another poet that did a lot for me early on hmm there was <laughs> there was there was, oh i liked ashbury like you know that's like standard i feel it's you know i don't really read him anymore but I feel like there was this era in poetry where people just loved Ashbury. They still do, but like everyone around me did. And I could see why. It was the most like I don't know, there there was a lot going on. I don't understand really what, <laughs> but but like there was a lot going on and sometimes you'd catch like something that resembled the narrative. It was fascinating. It was a lot more interesting than a lot of other things, I'll say that. Because there's a lot of poetry that, like, you know, the poetry that, like, something happens, something call that that calls something for it into question, resolution at the end of the poem, and some kind of epiphany. That's like, that's that's the thing. That's like so many poems. Um, yeah, there sometimes sometimes when I know that's going on, I just skip to the last couple lines to see what the epiphany is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I do that all the time. <laughs> it that's so funny. That's so good. But it's cause it's true. So many poems do that. You know, and, and often the epiphantic moment is like nothing matters or only love matters, only this moment matters, which tends to be love, you know. Where um, poetry makes the world bearable. Yeah, exactly. You know, like beauty or love or just it's all ridiculous, you know. Um, but that there's so many poems like that. So, so many poems like that. Um, and I think anytime I encounter poems that aren't like that, <laughs> I spend time with them. Yeah, like 
sometimes I just want to ask, like, were you high when you wrote this? Like, that's <laughs> is everyone just high right now? Because some... <laughs> like sometimes I look at the amount of writers retreats people go to, and I'm like, you guys aren't writing; you're uh, just all getting high. Yeah, writers retreats are interesting, man. I went to one. It was something. Well, I went to it because CD Wright was there. This was like after I graduated from my program. And it's the only time I ever went. And I never went back. I felt whatever. It wasn't terrible. It was like very much summer campy, you know? I never really went to summer camp. So uh, no, but I'll. I didn't go to summer camp either. But that's what, (laughs) like, judging from like, um, what's that movie uh, with the twins? That's like my idea of summer camp. what is that movie where there's there's twins and then they meet up at a summer camp and they realize that they're twins and their parents have split up? Oh, I know what movie you're talking Parent about. Parent Trap. But yeah, oh, that's it. Parent yeah. Trap. That was a that's, summer camp movie. So that to me is summer camp because I, I never went to summer camp either. I went to like classes in the summer, <laughs> but, um, but that's what I imagine it's like. It's like all, you know, there's like things to do all day long, like people that you've, never really met you've never met them before and you get really close really quick uh, yeah it's fine <laughs> it's fine yeah i guess this is just another thing that i look at in the poetry world and i'm just like yeah that's that's just not that's just not for me i'm just not interested yeah i don't blame you. like my experience okay so my experience with those kinds of things is also actually there was this like retreat that came with the program i was in like you went to that your second year but i went the first because i was i had to work for it um and that was when i realized that the vast majority of people go to those things older people like after a lifetime of being a doctor being you know like a housewife or um some kind of employment um they they like want to be a writer and they um they're willing to pay a lot of money to go and study with you know uh, a writer that they've heard of um it's largely older people that was my experience both times um and the younger ones usually are there like because they are on scholarship or something like that but it's mostly older people and you hear a lot of really, I mean, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm happy that people get to explore different sides of themselves. It's just not really my scene. Yeah, no, I, I totally feel that. I want to circle back to and say that, yeah, I, I'm not judging anyone who writes poems while getting high because I definitely do it. Oh, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I am someone who writes poems while getting high all the time. Um, so, and I didn't take offense to that at all. Because, like, I wish that those people, I don't know, maybe they are high and they just really need to watch some TV or, like, just, because it's not very, a lot of those poems are not imaginative. And they really think they are. And I, I just wonder, like, what kind of, you know, why? Why do they think, I don't know, whatever. I Like, they, they can do whatever they want. And um, I don't judge them as bad people or something i just am glad i'm not them well let me ask you this like why do you write poems while you while you're high why, why do you do that 
I write poems while I'm high because being high is the only thing that like kind of takes the edge off my intense anxiety is there. Um, and I think for a long time, I like, like many people enter poetry through the doors of like an institution of higher learning. I thought there was some way I was to do it. Um, and there's nothing worse for someone than that. Like having this idea that you're supposed to do a particular thing and you can't figure out what. Um, and so, you know, I was just always really tense around it. And like, everything got better when I just one day got high and was like, I no longer care about being good. <laughs> that was the best thing to ever happen. And the, the high was so like stereotypical and dumb and it worked to just like get me to write, you know, yeah, the point wasn't to write good stuff. Cause I don't, I don't know about good poems. Like, I don't, I don't know that I believe that that's really how shit works. Like, I think that poems end up being called good when they speak to like a particular set of people that's like visible enough and um, well-placed enough. Uh, they speak to them and those people like them, you know, but um, that doesn't necessarily mean that like, it's good in some intrinsic way. Um, I know that I, that I, that. Yeah. I really wanted to ask, cause like I was reading a Kenneth Koch poem recently. I think it was called like the art of poetry or something in it. And he's like, yeah, you just, it's, it's just impossible to write a good poem high. And I was like, well, well I guess I'm fucked. <laughs> I, that's nuts to me. Like I, I, definitely... I think it's really common though, that people think that. And I'm like, why? No, no, no. There's so like, okay, poems that have been written high by me and that like, okay, so not written high were definitely like, obviously the list poem, I was definitely not high then. Oh, Brazilian is not a race was mostly not high. Like, I don't think I really, Brazilian is not a race that like, came out of, I, I don't know that that will ever happen. That, that, I think people talk about that, like when I've never had that that thing that it seems like so many artists and writers have where like, I have a project and I'm like impassioned. Only time that happened was then. And it was because I was so mad about something I was saying, you know, but um, <clears throat> most of the sonnets in that middle section, high as a kite. Um, the uh, Fallon Stereo is not a race, high for sure. Um, uh, Dude, you're an asshole. Definitely. The Santander poem. Definitely. <laughs> Most of those poems is what I'm saying. I wrote high. <laughs> like, I, I can't. I wouldn't have fucking written. I wouldn't have written at all. Yeah, I know so many. Because I just know so many poets who just like this, writing is just such a, such a huge like anxiety for them. And I don't know. It's yeah. Just, I'm not saying you have to get high. It's just like the whole thing around writing just seems bad and yeah you should not follow the rules is what we're saying i think absolutely <clears throat> one second i'm just letting the cat into the room um, oh come on trunk come on, baby i think this they're is the first of... uh, cat <laughs> appearance on the podcast <laughs> they're kind of a pain in the ass about um having the door open but then my roommate's here so i don't want to I am still somewhat anxious with people hearing me. 
do this stuff. <laughs> um, oh, that's why I record in the car because I don't want anyone to know I'm a podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually that was that's not a bad idea. I should have done. That. My car has that like, you know, where where the like there's a speaker, which is amazing. Oh, but there's a what? There's a speaker. Like if you have if like there's Bluetooth, so if you um are using the phone like it will come on over speaker it is the fanciest of the fancy of the fanciest for me um, yeah my, my mom got that and she's like i feel like a ceo and i'm like cool it's amazing <laughs> it's ridiculous <laughs> um, yeah, i'm so glad i'm so glad technology could give us that <laughs> yeah uh so what were we oh we were talking about writing poem and yeah just like how you know, not following the writing advice rules and like the way it creates anxiety, I think. It really does. Like the, the, the worst thing that I think a person can do if they're trying to like create something is worry, like worry too much about it being good. Don't worry about it being good. Don't worry at all. Um, it either will be liked by some people or it won't. And I honestly think this is the point of the crew too. Like, Having like a set of people that you write to and kind of for that that is how a poem is good, <laughs> you know, like and I don't mean good intrinsically, I mean like it has a place to go. You know, there's people that want to read it. There's so many people think about how many people get their poems published every year and how few people read those. You know, like the the challenge is actually creating like a, a like audience. You know, and um, if you have friends and y'all are all talking to each other, that's there's your audience. And you probably will be surprised to find out that, like, you guys are a reflection of something that's happening broader on a broader context. You know, um, that's how I felt, at least, because I, I definitely like in 2013, I remember me and Oki talking and, and just like things were so different. But we, you know, we started like, there's all these people around Occupy that got on Facebook and we, you know, we would do so much writing on Facebook and it started to feel like we actually had people that were like following us on Facebook, like really like, you know, seeing what we were up to. Um, little did I know that there were people on Twitter fucking like doing this times 10 you know, like I had no idea that it was like that. I mean, I don't think me and Oki really realized what was happening until like 2015 or 16. And it was like, oh shit, like there's, this is actually like a lot of what poetry is now. Like fucking people on Twitter and Facebook. Um, well, you wrote, a, I think you wrote a lot of your poems like on Facebook. Like how did, how did that come about? Well, I would, I would post them. Yeah. And yeah, I was, like, what was the reaction and stuff? Like, what what was going on there? Because I I just haven't been on Facebook in years. Yeah, I was on Facebook from 2000. Well, I still am on, Facebook, but like really active on there from like 2008 till 2018. Yeah, like 10 years. But um, during that whole period, yeah, I would post them in part. I would post them because they were a form of shit talking. Um, like things would happen with people in like organizing or it was all like uh, so many of these things are like responses to shit that happened you know that like IRL I was you know hanging out with these people this person 
this really shitty thing, or I know about these shitty things, and I can't really talk about them, but I can kind of say this about them, you know, so I would put them up because I knew that people that would be so upset to find out that thing existed about them were connected to people that were going to see. Um, I always thought it was funny when people like, you know, I know, because my friend and I'm like, you don't think I do that on purpose? Like, I'm trying to upset you. Um, <laughs> and that but I would do that, like, definitely, like, but you know, sometimes people aren't paying attention to like Brazilian is not a race. So much of that shit was published on Facebook before it came out. Like so much was just like, I would show people what I was working on and some people paid attention and then it came out and I guess those people that, you know, like were kind of at least initially mentioned, um, didn't know. I thought I would, I would have thought they knew, but I guess they didn't. Um, yeah, I, I, a lot of times I would just post things because it was like almost like a status, but you know, just a sonnet whatever and there well there was a few i guess like a revolutionary letter that posts initially and then i just lined them and one about grief yeah i don't know but um yeah that's how yeah. they ended up online yeah one of my favorite like shit talking poetry stories is um james who does paint bucket was like um he was in a group chat with someone i think and he basically said, oh, I referenced you in this poem, you know, see if you can figure it out. And then, you know, the guy was like looking through for the reference he to the reference from him in the poem. And then like, I guess like an hour later, James was like, no, no, I just told you that because I knew it was the only way you'd read it if it was about you. <laughs> That's funny. That's one of the best oh trolls I've ever heard. <laughs> oh my God. What'd the guy say? Oh, he was just, I mean, this is someone who's just so owned. It doesn't even matter. But, um, like, did you, so, like, with the Facebook poems, did you, like, um, get feedback on them on Facebook that, like, changed them? Or is or did they just, like, end up in the book as they were on Facebook? Yeah, I, no, no feedback. I, they pretty much ended up in the book the way I wrote them. Like, I, I did revise poems. Um, no one ever really told me how to revise. I would have a lot of conversations about the things I was talking about. Um, and those affected like how I approach some of the things like around the time of Brazilian is not a race. I was actually talking to Raquel Salas Rivera a lot, and we would talk about, um, you know, basically race and ethnicity in Latin America and, um, they're Puerto Rican. So I would, <clears throat> you know, I, I basically was having, um, the perspective of someone from a colonized island, essentially, and and somebody who you know knew a lot more about Latin America than I did. So we would, I was just learning, and those talks definitely affected uh, ways that I went and revised later. But um, and with Oki as well. Uh, who else did I have talks with? At that time, I I was talking a lot to Oki and uh, Raquel. Um, and yeah, but no, no, no one ever told me like what to do for revisions. The only, yeah. huh? I was gonna say that is weird how like there's so much about like how you write poems, but there's so little on like how you actually revise them. Yeah, yeah, that's. I feel like it's so. That's a, that's just a complicated thing. 
you know, like for me, because you know how like I feel like a, I feel like a lot of people when they revise, uh, a lot of times they are, I don't know. I just think I look at poems differently. Like one thing that I thought I wasn't poetry, and I think that they probably tell people to not do this is like, oh, you want to say something? Don't you dare say something. <laughs> you know, like you, like it's not about content it's it's about like how you say it like you know show don't tell all these you know all those concepts the best thing that happened to me was getting away from that and just being like i'm this kind of person and so i'm going to do this um and so revision for me like with brazilian is not a race became about theory as opposed to oh i don't like the way that sounds no it, it was like okay so I want to be able to say this, you know, because that seems really important to understanding like racism or mestizaje or whatever. Like those are the, those are the things that kind of guided my um, revisions there. So it, you know, it wasn't like to try to make things sound better. That was never it. It was to make the theory better, the theory better. Um, yeah. And, and that's like, I just want to say like, that's really, antithetical to a lot of what what poetry like what kind of poetry advice there is i feel like so much poetry advice is just generally like inherently opposed to theory i know <laughs> yeah totally and that's what i'm saying like i i had to get to the point in my life where i just didn't care about being good anymore because everything that i like um yeah i feel like that's exactly what they tell you not to do you know they tell you exactly not to do those things and that's why i didn't do them for so long you know, my ex was somebody who like did a lot of procedural stuff and he would take so long to do these poems and they were so like, I just didn't understand, to be honest. Like I, I thought they were cool, but I, they were, I didn't, I didn't get it. And um, I would sit down and I would write something and he would be like, you know, you like, you're just, you write something and then you, you like, don't go back to it. It's like, Basically, he was saying the way I write, like, doesn't, that's not, po like, he wasn't being an asshole about it, but he was basically like, you're unhappy, but you, about your poetry, but like, what you do, you don't even revise, you don't do any of that. But honestly, that's because that kind of ended up being the way I write, you know, like, I don't revise a lot compared to him, you know, um, some of my poems do just come out in a go, you know, <laughs> like, they just do. Um, I write a lot of shit, but like sometimes that stuff ends up being good, you know, but I had to get to the point where like, I just care that that's what I was putting out, you know, um, because exactly what you said, everyone says, don't do that. Don't like theory. This theory is not for poem. Um, you know, uh, you should have this like rigorous process that you write. As I don't know if you know this story actually, but part of the story behind me doing the sonnets is because somebody that I met in 2011 was talking to me about my job and I'm a grant writer. And of course, you know, I don't wanna work. I would love to not have to have a job. Um, but this person told me that I probably should leave my job because grant writing would ruin my writing. And that always stuck with me. I was like, you know, for all the reasons I have wanting to leave my job, that's not one of them. And then there was just like something in me that went off where I was like, I am going to take that idea 
and run with it like as far as I can, like in an extreme direction. And that's where I started writing the sonnets that are like straightforward. Um, like I'm just writing sentences in a grant. Yeah, you know, so you and, just like deliberately ruined your writing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was told that that would ruin my writing. So I just went for it. I was like, I will do what I do in grants. And the sonnets made sense because grants are confined by character limits and word limits. So doing syllables like isn't that different, you know, like 10 syllables, okay, and 14 lines. It, I just really, really went for it. And it was supposed to be a joke, but then it became like a thing. I was just, that sounds a lot like um, I was just talking to Carl Cassia about the inforealists. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a couple things that make the very like one, the inforealists didn't really publish a ton of books. They mostly just read in like bars and restaurants and they kind of preferred that to actually publishing. And oh, nice. yeah. And they also did this thing too. Like they had a kind of style that was just very direct in the media. And Carl was kind of saying like a lot of critics, I think in America kind of misinterpret that as them being bad at poetry. When in reality, ah. it's it's like their house style. You just, you just, it's just something you don't. Critics don't really understand. I think possibly, you know, because of racism mm -hmm. and also just because of ignorance. I mean, that makes sense to me. <laughs> it, I mean, really, when you have, I think that was the other thing. Like, it helped me write because I, like I said, I, I'm not a very prolific writer, um, and I was like new to my job, so it took a lot of my energy. Um, and I didn't have a lot, you know, like when you're not writing in form, you have to, there's a lot more consideration. There are many more considerations you when you're not doing form. Um, form takes care of like a good chunk of all the things you got to think about with form. <laughs> um, so for me, it was, it was a way to help me write. And it, again, with the anxiety, like when it becomes a joke, like, okay, so worst thing that could happen is I start to sound like a grant writer in my poems. So I did the worst thing, you know, um, and it really, it broke something like it broke something in a good way. And I remember when I first got approached about uh, putting out a book of commune editions, I told Well, let's get some Fs in the chat for Wendy. She's dropped from the call. Oh, yeah, you were just at, um, you were saying about the first book you published with commune editions and like how in relation to like um grant writing ruining quote-unquote ruining your writing oh yeah just uh yeah basically i don't think anybody thought much of these sonnets i was doing but i did and i thought they were hilarious <laughs> um and then eventually other people caught on to like they actually are funny it's like a really good form for that like you can be real silly in them um because if you like for like i guess push to the forefront the fact that you're writing in this form um some of it i mean i've seen other people do stuff with it too you know you just like throw in three syllables anything like i, I think i have yeah at one of like the end of some poem in brazilian is not a race um those moments you know it turns out that there's just a lot of Kind of fun things you can do when you're just trying to like get to a syllable count the first sonnet i wrote that was like that the first line was um 
I can't work. I can't write, not even for fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, it was, um, it was so freeing. It was so freeing to just be like, I'm going to say exactly what I'm thinking, like dumbly. So, you know, just like whatever. Um, it was so, so nice. Um, yeah. It's such a great thing when you finally find something that helps you just let go. Yeah. And I, I just, again, I, it's just something that for poetry just isn't, doesn't seem to be about that. And when it is, when I find oh. poetry that is about that, I'm like, hell yeah. And, I, and that's what I actually want to read, you know? Same, 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 same. Yeah. Well, <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think, I think this is probably like, we we talked about good things, right? Yeah, it was it was really good. I thought. Oh my okay, god! Okay, cool. Yeah, I no, mean, thank we can you. also talk about other things at some other point. 